What a day indeed. It's hard for me to imagine a life without pain, without heartache, without sickness. Um, but when we finally get there, we're going to be at home. Uh, the longer that the world continues down on this path of sin, the more I don't feel at home here anymore. Um, but there's coming a day when we'll be surrounded by nothing but God's people and God's Spirit and the grace and the majesty and the glory of God. And we'll finally be at home. Home at last. And uh, there'll be no more heartaches. What a day indeed. Something on your heart before we go further. I do desire your prayers. We um, don't really have a lot on our heart, but just one scripture or two. In Acts chapter 17, then maybe maybe some in Daniel 7. If you want to turn there, um, I'll try not to hold you long battling again a, um, a pretty painful back this morning, the last few days. And and uh, so I'd uh, use an interest in your prayers for that as well. Um, but I did wake up, like I said, about 4 o'clock. I, you were on my heart as I went to sleep. And, and, uh, and I thought to myself, I don't know... I don't know who it will be for, um, but I begin to have the thought that I feel sorry for you uh, because I know that as hard as the Lord was impressing on me, He was also working on you or will be working on you. See, I believe we serve a God who works on both ends, who, who gives the man of God, and when I say man of God, I'm not necessarily just talking about the preacher. You have a, you have a part in the service. Whether you're a man, woman, I just refer to men of God. Um, and if God impresses upon you to say or to do something, I firmly believe He's working on the other end with that as well. And we saw that with, uh, we talked about it in Sunday school this morning with John the Baptist and how, how the Lord was working on, on, uh, on Mary and on Elizabeth both and brought them together. And, and uh, so we, we know that... Um, that God is true and His Word is true. Uh, in Acts chapter number 17, and starting with verse number 16, it says, Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him and said, What will this babbler say? Other some, he seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods, because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is? For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears. We would know therefore what these things mean. For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but to either tell or to hear some new thing. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, You men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. God that made the world and all things therein, Seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. 
and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after Him and find Him, though He be not far from every one of us. For in Him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also His offspring. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is likened to gold or silver or stone, graven by art and man's devices. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he had raised them, raised him from the dead. Uh, in a few verses in, in Daniel chapter 7, and in verse number 9, it says, I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit. I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool, and his throne was like a fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. And a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousand thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set, and the books were opened. Paul, while he was at Athens, the Bible said he was waiting for Silas and for Timothy, and that he saw the whole city wholly given over to idolatry. And, uh, and I thought different times I understand as Paul just watched them and, and sort of their manner of life and, and, and how they would go about and, and do things and what they were saying and how they begin to worship. And, and he said he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. And, and I can relate to that and you should be able to re- relate to that in the day in which we live. Uh, we see that the whole world is going after idolatry in some form or in some fashion. And, and uh, even what men worship today... Uh, Jesus told the woman at the well, He said, you worship, you know not what. And, and I'm afraid today lots of people are worshiping something that they really have no idea what it's all about. And, and I came to the house of God this morning for one reason and for one purpose, and that's to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If we came for any other reason other than that, I was listening to the radio on the way down and the man of God was talking about how that it was prophesied that in the last days men would be lovers of their own selves. They would be covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, truth-breakers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, heady, high-minded, traitors, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. I would say that pretty well fits us today in our generation. And it went on to say that that in those days men will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And, and so lots of worship today is nothing more than, than an entertainment series. And, and uh, But that's not true worship. I'm not here to entertain you. You didn't come here to be entertained by me or to have your ears tickled by me. I have it uh, in faith that you came in to serve God. And I know that because of the Spirit that has been lingering 
about this place in the song service. I believe that you came with that desire, but uh, but uh, uh, and God has already manifested Himself in this service. I felt it as you were singing and as we were praying. But uh, but Paul watched that city, and and I've watched America, as my father-in-law mentioned, how it's changed over the years. And, and uh, how that uh, there is an enemy that we face, and, and it's an enemy that's inside our own gates. And, and uh, the, I, I thought about uh, I thought about there when it was talking about the parable of the wheat and the tares, and how the Bible says that uh, that in the night an enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat. And when the wheat began to spring up, and then spring up the tares also. And uh, and they went unto the master and said, Did you not plant good seed? And he said, I did plant good seed, but the tares have begun to spring up and an enemy has done this. I would tell you today that uh, the, the reason America is in the shape that she's in is an enemy has done this. And it's an enemy that we can't point to like in times past, in times of war, that we can always point to an enemy and say that's what we're fighting. The problem is today, it's not an enemy in flesh and blood. It's an enemy of ideals. And it's an enemy of the heart. It's an enemy that you can't see, but that is surely there. It's the oldest enemy that we face. And it is Satan himself. And it's his demons and the demonic forces of evil. I, I thought about, and I said this yesterday, it probably wouldn't prudent at an ordination, but I said I can't help but preach what it's on my heart. And, and I thought for the first time in my life, I begin to pray that little prayer tucked away in the book of Habakkuk. It's just a small book in the Old Testament, just three chapters or four. Uh, but he began to pray unto God. He took notice of how things were going in his nation. And he took notice and he began to say unto God that the wicked, uh, the wicked are prospering. And, and how can you use a nation that's more wicked than we are uh, to bring judgment upon us? And, and God began to reveal to Habakkuk some things. And, and Habakkuk finally said, Lord, in thy wrath, remember mercy. And I've thought about that different times this week as we got into the month of June and as we saw how, what this has become and they call it Pride Month and, and everywhere you see corporations are, are posting on social media uh, their pride flags. In other words, standing in solidarity with the LGBT community. And I'm not saying I hate those people. As a matter of fact, I love them. I want to preach to them at some point. I want them to be saved. I want them to come into the knowledge of the truth. Uh, but the fact of the matter is we, uh, we are living in a culture that sees absolutely nothing wrong with that. I would say unto you and declare boldly it is an abomination in the sight of God and, and what we're doing is shaking our very fist at God that created us. God that made us what we are today as a nation and we are falling headlong into that trap and I would say an enemy has done that as well. An enemy that you cannot see but it has permeated our government. It has permeated our corporations. It's permeated in our own homes and, and in lots of cases into the churches. I saw a headline of, and he called himself a pastor but it said a, a drag queen pastor. And you might say, why are you talking about that? 
I want you to realize the world that you're living in today. I want you to realize the world that your children are growing up in today. It's a society that uh, thinks that anything goes, that uh, whatever we've taught them, whatever you feel like in your heart, whatever you want to do, whatever makes you happy, you just go ahead and do that. I would say as an American citizen, you absolutely have the right to do what you choose. To do what you please. It's written in our Constitution that man shall be free and shall have no interference of your freedom. I believe that 100% you do have that right. If that's your kind of life, if whatever makes you feel good, do it. But I would, I would draw your attention to the fact that there is a coming judgment one day. I would draw your attention to the fact that you can live as you choose. We talked in Sunday school about choice about there are those that even among us as Baptists would uh, would say that uh, that John the Baptist had no choice that uh, that he was ordained of God and yes he was but John the Baptist absolutely had a choice he made a choice to serve God and, and brother Joe said that God receives honor and he receives glory when men choose by their own free will to serve and honor and worship God. And that is, my friend, how He does receive such honor. I choose to worship Him today. I choose to worship Him. Now before I chose to worship Him, I will grant you there had to come a time when He called me out of my sins. He called me as a little boy and knowing I was in sin and knowing I hadn't really committed many sins, but He let me know that I was indeed a sinner. And so today I would want to declare that there's not one person in here, man, woman, boy, or girl, you look at me, uh, you look at me right now, I beg of you, and listen to what I'm about to say, you are a sinner. You are indeed a sinner. And you will indeed die one day. There's going to come a day uh, when your life is going to be gathered up, when you're going to gather your feet whether you're young or whether you're old, and there's going to come a day you're going to lay down in your bed for the last time. You're going to put your feet under your covers for the last time. You're going to stand behind the wheel of your car for the last time. You're going to come out to the house of God for the last time. And there's going to come a day you're going to sin for the last time. There's going to come a day that you're going to be gathered into eternity. And there's going to come a day that every last one of us are going to go the way of all the earth. There's going to come a day you can't get by that. I'm sorry you can't get around that. That is the simple truth that if you're living, you're going to die. If you are alive and have been given life, uh, every day that you live, you're getting essentially one day closer to the day of your death. I don't mean that to be harsh. I don't mean that to be pessimistic. You see, for those of us that have been saved, there's nothing to fear there. And death is nothing but passing beyond the veil. As a matter of fact, death is something that we look forward to in an odd sense. And the world can't understand that. If you're here today apart and separated from God, you can't understand that. How can a man look forward to not being alive anymore? You're misunderstanding me. You see, I'm still going to be alive. I'm going to live forever. I'm going to die the death of this life and the death of this world. But glory be to God. And thanks be to God because I've been born again. I'm never going to die. This soul that's residing inside of me that you can't see, it's going to live on. And so death is just a release. 
And death is, is going from the land of the dying into the land of the living for those of us that have been saved. But I would forewarn you today that if you're here and you're lost, you're also going to die. You're also going to stand in judgment. You see, many people don't like to think about judgment. I read into you Daniel's writing, and Daniel said, he said, I beheld in a vision. And behold, the Ancient of Days did set, and his hair was white like wool. And it said he sat in judgment. And he sat in judgment, and he said the judgment has been set, and the books are open. I would say to you today, the judgment is already set in place. That God knows when the great judgment day is going to come. God the Father knows only. That judgment was not even given to the Son nor the Spirit, but only the Father knows. But there is coming a day. Paul said it there in a, or Luke wrote about Paul there in the chapter in the chapter of Acts that I read from. He said that the days of man have been appointed. Job says it also in his 14th chapter of the book of Job that man's days have been determined and his bounds have been made and his bounds have been appointed. And when we come to that place that we will not cross over, we'll gather up our feet and we're going to die. And there's not one thing you can do uh, to save yourself in that day. And when your time has come, my friend, it has come. And you don't get to come back and get a do-over. I know there have been people that have flatlined and came back. I realize that. But when their time of ultimate death came, it came. And there was nothing they could do. The Bible said there is no discharge in that war. In other words, you're going to die. But the Bible declares this. It's appointed unto man once to die. In other words, you've got an appointment. The date has already been set. It's already been set in eternity when the bound of our habitation is going to be. Where we're going to travel, it's already been set. How old that you're going to be when you die, that's already determined by God. The bounds are set. There is a boundary and you have an appointment with death. And therefore you have an appointment with judgment. Because the Bible says that, that after death comes the judgment. There is going to be a day of great separation. There's going to be a day where you're going to be separated from everybody and everything. And you're going to stand before God. And there you're going to give an account. The Bible says of the things done in your body, whether it be good or whether that be bad. So while you indeed have the freedom as an American citizen to live how you please, you will absolutely give an account of your actions and your choices before God. You will absolutely stand there in judgment before a holy, holy, holy God. Before a righteous God. You're going to stand there and, and the books, the Bible says, the books shall be opened. And the book of life shall be opened. And whosoever's name is not found written in the book of life from the foundation of the world shall be cast into hell fire. And in the damnation, the Bible makes that so abundantly clear in Revelation chapter number 20. It talks about a death. And then, my friend, it talks about a second death. It talks about a death of the soul. It talks about a never-ending death. It talks about a death so horrible and so painful and so furious and with so much, uh, so much gusto. It talks about a death that will go on throughout eternity. It talks about a separation that's going to be made. It talks about a separation from all that's good and all that's holy and all that's just. 
and all that's good again. It talks about a separation from God. It talks about a place called hellfire. It talks about a place called hell whose the Bible says it's an outer darkness. It talks about a place where there shall be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. So while you do have the freedoms that you enjoy today, you do whatever makes you happy, I just want to warn you, you are going to give an account of that one day. And you're not going to get by with that. And my friend, the only way that you can be saved is to repent. What He calls out unto you is just to come unto Him and repent. And to believe, repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the way of redemption. That's the plan of salvation. There's no other way that you can escape hellfire and damnation except by the blood. I made mention yesterday at the ordination that there will be people standing in that great day. In that great day of separation, the Bible says they'll begin to stand outside and knock. I can imagine them doing that in the days of Noah. And Noah didn't build the ark in some far remote corner of the world. He built the ark and I believe people came from miles around. I believe word of mouth got around and I believe people came from all over to see what Noah was doing. And Noah preached unto those people according to the Word of God. And Noah was a preacher of righteousness. But the whole time he preached, men did not heed that warning. But my friend, the Bible says they knew not until the flood came and carried them all away. So men today know not the terrors of death and hell until death comes and carries you away. You know not the terror unless God has put that terror in your heart. And by doing that, called you out of sin. And by doing that, called you down to a place of repentance. And by doing that, granted unto you that measure of faith that you can believe with all your heart and be saved by His grace. If you've got that experience of a time and a place, you can rest assured, friends, you're one of His. You're alright. And there's nothing in this world or nothing beyond this world that can take you out of the hand of the Father. If you've got that time and place, hell has no power over you. Death has no power over you. And my friend, if you're here today and you don't have a place that you can point to, you don't have a spot that you can go to where you in faith called upon the name of Jesus, called upon the name of the Lord, and He washed your sins away. If you've never had that regenerating washing in the blood of Jesus, my friend, you ought to pay attention to what I'm saying to you today. That if, that if today was the bound of your habitation, and today you die, and you're going to be gathered up in the darkness, and you're going to weep, and you're going to wail, and you're going to gnash your teeth. You're going to come to judgment. My friend, in standing in judgment before a holy God, my, my, stand there without the blood applied to your soul, and you'll see how holy He is. You'll see how sinful you are. I would say to you again to look at me. You are a sinner. You need to be saved. If you've never been saved, there's a place that we set aside. You don't have to come up here, but it's a good place. Lots and lots and lots of people have got saved right here and right there and right there. Lots of people down through the years have got saved at places just like this right here. Lots of people have got saved at their seats too. Lots of people, as Brother Joe and Steve said, have got saved at Brush Arbor meetings and different places. But the, the bottom line is if you don't have that place, 
that you can point to and say, there's where He washed me. There's where He born me and birthed me into the family of God. My friend, you stand in danger and you stand in danger of hellfire and judgment and separation. Oh yes, there's going to be a separating. One day, there's going to be a great separation. And it's going to be separated right and left. The Bible declares two will be in the field and one will be taken and the other left. Two will be lying in the bed and one will be taken and the other left. Two will be grinding at the mill and one will be taken and the other shall be left. There's going to be a separation from mom and dad, from brother and sister. Now my friend, if God is dealing with your heart this morning, and I believe He is with somebody because I know how He's worked on me just preaching to them in judgment. I have no fancy words that I try to use. I have no man's knowledge. As Brother Joe said in Sunday school, I too am a simple man. And I've got to keep a message simple and simple-minded and that you need to be born again, that you're a sinner, that if you've never been saved, that means you are a sinner in the sight of God. We talked Wednesday night about justification and about our article, what we believe being justified is. Justification is a legal standing before God. That's what it is. It's standing before God in judgment and being justified because you believe in His Son and the blood atonement. That's being justified. That is legal terminology. That means I'll stand in judgment. Though I'm a sinner, I'll stand in judgment and I'll be justified. And I'll stand just before God even though I'm a sinner but because I believe. And because I've repented, and because I've been washed in His blood, I'll stand before God justified. If you've never, if you've never had a salvation experience, if you've never been washed in His blood, you'll stand before God as a sinner. But the difference is, you'll be found guilty, and I'll be found innocent. I'll be found justified. And it says that God can, God has to punish sin. That's the only way. Sin cannot be winked at. The Apostle Paul said there, I just read to you, the times of that ignorance God winked at. But now commandeth men everywhere to repent because He hath appointed a day and He hath appointed an hour in which He will judge that man. Christ Jesus will judge you rather. He is appointed a day and He's got His man ready and the Son of God is waiting. He's going to take his place at the great white throne one day. And all men, small and great, all men dead and alive, all men are going to stand before him and begin to give an account. And those that have been saved will be found innocent, will be found justified by the grace and the blood of the Redeemer. And those who enter into judgment lost. Mama, Mama, you're going to be cast out into outer darkness. You're going to go to a place that you never dreamed ever being. You're going to go to a place where the Bible says you'll burn forever. You're going to go to a place where the flames will lick up about you. Where the fire will never be quenched. Where the Bible says you'll have a worm that begins to eat on you. And the worm will never die. And the fire will never be quenched. I can't imagine a place like that. I can't imagine a place like that for you. But my friend, it wasn't prepared for you. And you don't have to go there. But if you die lost and separated from God, there's nowhere else for you to go except hellfire and damnation. You die lost, you stand before God in judgment. And the Bible said you'll begin to knock. 
And this is what I told him yesterday, that man will begin to knock and stand outside and say, Lord, have not I been good? Have not I done this? I might have said it at the old-fashioned gospel hour too. And when I stand before God, I'm thankful I won't have to stand and say, Lord, but I'm a preacher. Lord, but I'm a pastor. In other words, I'm glad I won't have any good works to base my salvation on. The only thing I'll cry out is, Lord, the blood. Lord, the blood has saved me. It redeemed me. There was a place and a time. You've got it recorded in your holy book where I went down to the fountain. Zechariah chapter 13, verse number 1 says there is a fountain. I'm glad that there is a fountain. He said that that fountain has been opened. Don't you understand today, sinner? There is a fountain open for you. That fountain is full of the blood of the Son of God. That fountain will wash you and make you white as snow. But if you, if you, as we said in the beginning, you have the will, the free will, and you make your choice. John the Baptist had a choice. The Apostle Paul had a choice. You've got a choice. And when God deals with your heart, you'll do one or two things. You'll run to Him or you'll put Him aside. You'll run to Him. You'll run to the cross and to the Savior. Or my friend, you'll reject Him. And one day you're going to reject Him for the last time. And then comes the judgment. You're going to die. It's not pleasant to think of. I realize that. You're going to die. You little ones that are here, I hope you live a long, long, long time. But at the end, you're still going to die. Uh, Methuselah uh, uh, lived 969 years, but he still died. Every one of us are going to die. And after death comes the judgment. When he looks at you, you're either going to be found guilty or you're going to be found justified. I'm glad I'm justified not by anything that I've done, but by, by his own mercy and grace he saved me. One night at an altar, as I began to stand up, disappointed because I hadn't been saved, but as I stood up, the Holy Ghost fell down. I came up and He fell down. And my friend, He landed upon me. And I knew that quick, I've been washed. I've been redeemed. I'm not going to hell. Hallelujah to God. I'm justified now, still a sinner, but I stand before God just. And being justified... Not by anything that I've done, but because I believe and I've repented. And I love the Lord today because He first loved me. I don't know, maybe this didn't make a lot of sense, but that's as far as I want to travel. You are a sinner and you are going to die and you are going to face the judgment. You have a right to live any way you please, but just be sure at the end of that life, you are going to give an account for the things that you do, for the things that you say, even for the things that you think. The Bible says no thought, uh, every thought rather will be revealed and every secret will be made manifest. That that you've kept secret in the, in the, uh, in the house shall be proclaimed from the rooftop. Every secret will be finally out in the open. And my friend, you're going to stand there and you're going to be judged. Are you ready for that day? Are you ready for that day of separation? My prayer is if you're not, if you've never been saved, if you don't know that you've been redeemed, my prayer be as we sing that you begin to come. That God will begin to deal with your heart. I believe He's already dealt with you because He's dealt with me to preach this unto you. I, I pray that when He begins to deal with you, as we sing that you'll come falling into this altar and find Him today.
The Bible said, and I just read to you, if happily we might just feel after Him, though He be not far from every one of us. That's what it's like as a lost person. I can remember, you just got to sort of feel after God and feel after Him in way of repentance. And my friend, doing that, you'll find Him. And you'll find Him precious into your soul as we stand and sing today.